So brethren, at this time, we are blessed to have our second message for today, brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews, entitled Deliverance. All of our guitar players back there wanted to get their guitars out when they found out what my message was title. You've uh, noted that. I never watched the movie, but I do like that instrumental. It's, it's really, really good. But I, I guess uh, it went with the movie, so <laughs> anyway. I was, uh, one of the things that struck me uh, is that I gave this message 12 years ago. It's November of 2006. Now I'm 12 years older. And um, it, um, it applies to me even more because it has to do with Psalm 71, the prayer of the aged man. <laughs> but one of the things that struck me, and I've, I've always, it's been hard for me to, to think around it, is that God when he enters your life, he is there from the beginning to the end. I, I even think that he, he knows at, at the earliest age, maybe even in the womb like he did with Zechariah and the others, that this is the one that he wants in his kingdom. Because there's a place for each and every one of us in the kingdom. When I was first in the, in the church, 50 years ago, nearly that time now, beginning in January. We had a lot of activities. We had a lot of young people, a lot of uh, young unmarried people at that time. And we did all kinds of activities together. And one of those activities was a ski party picnic and skiing and and I go back to that time when I was only like 20, 21 years old because I came in and was baptized in January of 1969. I can't remember exactly whether it was a year, I think it may be a year after that, but it, it, it was probably pretty close right after I came in the church. And I like to drown. It's, um, it was one of those situations where you went out, you skied a lot, you did a lot of uh, things on skis, and you came back and they just dropped you off and took your, uh, took your uh, life preserver, and you were out there floundering around. I come to find out it was only about seven foot of water, but still I was, I was tired, and I knew that I was going down, and I felt very panicky. And people have died, and there was all kinds of people around me. And I know that there was this thought that I was going to die. And so I turned around and looked, and I recognized one of the church people. I yelled out. He immediately saw me and, and came and rescued me. And I was thinking this morning, if I, well, if I had died back then, because I'd already been baptized, 
I would have been in the kingdom. But all the things that I would have missed out on in the years that I have lived since then, the family and everything. I mean, I would have had a, a mother and a father and a sister that would have mourned me, and that would have been it. But I would have been in the kingdom. God would have delivered me into the kingdom. And I think each and every one of us have thoughts and stories and understanding of our, where God has delivered us, where he has intervened in our life, and throughout the, those things. In the same light, in the same instance, we had a young man who we were very, all of us uh, at that particular time did things together, had activities together because we were all bachelors. There was a young man who was about eh, maybe a little older than me, he was working at a, a plating company. Some of you uh, uh, might know Bob, remember Bob Avery. And he didn't make it out, he died. And he was baptized. And I know that he'll be in the kingdom. He was a very dedicated young man. Why sometimes we don't understand, do we? But I think that we do understand that God loves us. We have that grace. We have all of those things. And no matter whether, it, no matter whether it's early or later or in the latest part of our life, the gills, very elderly, lots of physical problems, but they're very, very much dedicated to this, this truth in this way. Deliverance. I have seven points I'd like to, to bring out today in this one chapter, this one psalm of David. And it's interesting that David was the ancestor of Jesus. And I'm sure Jesus read David's words and, uh, and just loved all of those. But I have seven points. Uh, the seven points are deliverance, of course, and the title of my message. Refuge and salvation, point two. Concern over loss of vitality and possibly of losing God. Now, that can happen, can't it? You get older, you might lose that vitality, and you might worry, is God with me? Point four, God being near to fight our battles. We need to believe that. We need to believe that God is with us. A commitment to praise God. Number five, death and resurrection. Point six. And point seven, singing and prayer. All of us worship God in singing and in prayer. So let's look. Let's, uh, you might put a little, if you've got one of those little tabs that you can put in Psalm 71. I'm not going to go one verse. Uh, I'm going to skip around on the verses because I, of how I had this set up. And so... You might put a, something there that will hold your place. 
So I'm going to skip to verse 2, and we'll read verse 2 and verse 4 to start out. David says here, Deliver me in your righteousness, and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me, and save me. And then verse 4, it says, Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. And so as we look at some of the verses that will uh, dovetail in with this, let's, let's think about this deliverance that God is giving us. So let's go to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. Probably already has it up there, very quickly. 34 to 37. And David said to Saul, your servant, kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and I smote it. And I delivered it out of its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and smote it and slew it. The boy David. <laughs> David was a powerful, different man. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. And of course, we know what happened. David did slay the Philistine, Goliath. But you see the attitude. God is with me, and I'm going to stand against this uncircumcised Philistine. Because he's going to deliver him to me. In Psalm 70, let's go back to the Psalm, Psalm 70. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded to seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let, them, let all those that seek you rejoice and be glad in you. And let such as love your salvation say continuously, Let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy, and make haste to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tarrying. In other words, do not delay in coming to me. In Psalm, the 31st chapter, this series here will be in, mostly in Psalms, so we can just go back and forth here. In Psalms 31, in verse 2, he says, Bow down your ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be you my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. Remember, Jesus says, I will build my church on himself. Because he is that rock, the rock of salvation. In Psalm 39 and verse... Psalm 39 and verse 8... Deliver me from all my transgressions. 
Make me not the reproach of the foolish. Deliver me from all of my transgressions, for all my sins, all my weaknesses, all of those things. Deliver me from them. As we grow in this way, as we live this way, God reveals our weaknesses, our foibles, our different sins. And we need to ask God to deliver us from those. Help us to overcome those things. In 43, Psalm 43 and verse 1, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Anymore, what you say can definitely be held against you. And when we even profess our own truth, it can be held against us, can it not? And so we need God to be with us, to guide us, to direct us, to give us that strength that we need in the day and age that we live in. We know about David's sin, and we know about his prayer. And so with this deliverance, I cannot, this message on deliverance, I cannot not read this one verse in verse 14 of chapter of Psalm 51. Deliver me from guilt, from blood guilt, uh, guiltiness, O God. You, God of my salvation and my tongue, shall sing aloud of your righteousness. He also says not to take that spirit away from him and to purge him with hyssop. In other words, clean me up. If I'm sinning, if I have problems, take care of me, Father. Clean me up. Cleanse me. That's a beautiful psalm. And it can be prayed at any time, especially when you're low and you know that you've sinned and you've got problems. Go to Psalms 51 and pray that to God. It's a, it's a powerful psalm. In Psalm 59, Psalm 59, just a couple verses. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Defend me from them and rise up against that rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from the bloody men. In Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus writes, it is written that Jesus said this. I get to Luke, the fourth chapter. And beginning in verse 18, just a couple of verses here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We're very familiar with this. But think about this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives. That's all part of the gospel message even today, isn't it? And the recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are, that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We heard in the first message, we are preaching and reaching out with the gospel message every week on the internet. We never know how many might be listening. And I hope this message 
and the and the first message affect and and come into your heart and strengthen you and bless you. Part two, refuge and salvation. Psalm back to Psalm fifty one or seventy one, not fifty one, seventy one. Psalm seventy one again. I'll see. I ought to use my own ability here by let's go back now and let's go look at verses one, three, five, and seven. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put uh, put to confusion. In verse 3, You, my strong habitation, whereto I may continually resort. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Verse 5, For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. And now verse 7. I am as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. You are my strong refuge. In Acts, the fourth chapter, we see something quite interesting here. Beginning in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is, a, he is made whole, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at nothing of you, builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He is our salvation, our strength, our rock, all of the various things that we can come up with that the Bible talks about. And so when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we have an assurance of eternal salvation. In 2 Timothy, the second chapter, Paul writes this, beginning in verse 10, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. And so, we put our whole faith and our whole trust in Jesus Christ. The deliverance is through him into the kingdom of God. In chapter 3, just over the page, and a couple of verses there, beginning in verse 15, and that from a child you have known the holy scriptures, 
which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. And so with, we have that salvation, we have that refuge in Jesus Christ, and we have a confidence in deliverance through the scriptures, don't we? That we will be in the kingdom of God. That we have that confidence through the scriptures. We've been talking about faith and grace and, and love and all of those things. And all of that goes together to help us to understand that we are going to be delivered into the kingdom of God. That God so loved us. That he has grace for us. That we can hope in this. That we can have faith in this. All of those things go together that we will be delivered into the kingdom of God, into the loving hands, into the salvation that will come through your Jesus Christ and the resurrection. And number three, concern over our vitality as we grow older. Let's go back to Psalm 71. And let's just look at a couple of verses here. Cast me not off in the time of old age, verse 9. Forsake me not when my strength fails. Those of us that are elderly begin to realize what those words really mean. As we, It's harder to get out of bed and different things that, that, that go on and and we have the aches and pains that we didn't have when we were 20 years old and able to run and jump and do those things that the youth have. Enjoy your youth, young people. Be thankful and enjoy your youth because it is um, something that God has given you, but all of us will grow older and those things sometimes wane. Beginning in verse 18. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed your strength to this generation and your power to everyone that is to come. David was prolific in his praise and, and honor of God and the various things, and he wrote many beautiful psalms. They're not all David's psalms, but a lot of them are in here. Let us um, go to Psalm 92. Let's follow up on this in this number three. 92. Just a couple of three verses here. Beginning in verse 12. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there's no unrighteousness in him. And so even in our old age, we are to bring forth fruit. I mean, we are given the Spirit to have that fruit. So let's look at now John, the 14th chapter.
John 14 and beginning in verse 1. I want us to understand that there is a, a place for all of us in God's kingdom. He, and Jesus said so. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so consequently, we know that when Christ returns, we're all going to be resurrected into his kingdom. And we have a place. We have a place already set up. And we have a position in that kingdom. And I like to, I like to encourage people to understand that. It's not that, that God is calling because he wants people who want to be in his kingdom and who want to have that position in his kingdom, who love the idea of serving in that kingdom, who love the idea of being able to do more than we are able to do today, to reach out, to be without having any age problems or physical problems or any of that, that in the kingdom we will do many, many wonderful things in the kingdom of God. Because we will have a body that will not age, will not wear out, will not grow old, will not diminish. And it will be a beautiful and wonderful thing that we will be able. But even today, we can reach out to the best of our ability and preach and teach the gospel message and the beautiful message of the kingdom of God. God is near to fight our battles. It says here in, back in Psalm 71, verse 10, For my enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together. This is, um, these are 10, 11, 12, and 13. Saying, God has forsaken him. Persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. We don't go out and just you know, beat up people. We pray to God that he will handle the situation, don't we? Intervene, Father. Take care of the situation, whatever it is. If we're struggling with someone that we work with, or we're, um, there's something else going on that we're struggling with, we go to the Father, we go to the Son, and we pray that they will intervene, that they will make haste to intervene in that situation. First Timothy, the sixth chapter. I guess I better find it first. And verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, our, our battles are different, aren't they? We, 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 we know they're spiritual battles. But, but when it comes right down to, to our life, 
to the end of our life, to the things that we've done in our life, we have to look and say, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you were also called, and professed a good profession before many witnesses. So that's, that's the important part of our eternal walk in the physical life. When God calls us, this is what we're doing. We're fighting that spiritual battle until the day that we, we come into his kingdom. God doesn't... God gives us some, some help, doesn't he? He gives us the, some power while we're fighting these battles in our life. And it's found in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're very, very familiar with it. But I, in, in the context of deliverance, understanding what God is saying here is, is, is beautiful. Finally, my brethren, beginning in verse 10, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness, wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take to you the whole army of, of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girded with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you were able to, to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. It says wicked, but it's actually Satan that is shooting those fiery darts at us. He wants us to fail. And if we're not fully armed, we could fail. Take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in verse 18, praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto to all perseverance and supplication to all saints. Back to Psalm 71. Be committed to praise God. Be committed to praise God. Um, let's, let's pick it up here in verse 8. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your honor all the day. Verse 14. But I will hope continually and will yet praise you more and more. Especially when we see our life being blessed or being uh, led in righteousness and strengthening us in all the things that God is doing in our life. Praise God. Give God thanks for, for your life. Give God thanks for the blessings especially for the blessings of the life that you lead in this beautiful country that we live in. Verse 15. My mouth shall show forth your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. My mouth shall show forth your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers of my life. We don't, do we? We have no idea. We could live into our 80s and 90s, or we could just pass tomorrow. You know, an accident. 
may be totally healthy and all of a sudden you get into some kind of an accident and your life is gone. But you have God's Spirit. You are quickened by that. We're going to get to that in the next, in the next um, point that I have. You are quickened by that. And so it's a strength that you have in your, in, in your spiritual walk with, with God. I have Psalm 15, uh, Psalm 100, and this is a beautiful psalm. It's very small, very short, only five verses. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And when we come to church, we, we come with songs, we come with, with praising God, we come with prayer, we come to worship God. I've been thinking about that quite a bit, about our worship of God. And I think if all of us realize that when we walk in and we, and we begin services, that the heavenly throne of God is open and ready for us to worship Him. And that we are coming to His very throne room to worship Him. It's something that we could we could realize and, and, and be more reverent to God during this time. Know you that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him, and bless His name. Boy, in this society, in this, this world we, we live in, there's so much, like we said, there was so much hatred, so many, many, but we have the understanding of God's Word, and we can be thankful and praise God for all that we understand, and that we're not caught up in the world's various things that they, uh, that they worship. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, His truth endures all generations. These are very old psalms. And His truth has, has been preserved down through the ages. And even to some very difficult times. God did, has intervened in, in world history, I think, in many, in many ways. Just imagine what it had been like if the whole world had been taken over by the Nazis, by Hitler, or if the whole world had been taken over by communism. Just imagine what the worlds would be like in the suppression of God's truth and God's word and the persecution of all Christians and Jews who believe The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures all generations. Understand there is a home prepared for us beyond this life. Back to Psalm 71. I'll find it again. 
couple of verses here, 19 and 20. Your righteousness also, O God, is very high, who has done great things, O God, who is like you. You which have showed me great and sore troubles shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. The resurrection. Right there in the Psalm 71. Psalm of the ancient man. Of the aged man. Your righteousness, O God, is very high. Who has done great things. And who is like you? You have, you which have shown me great and sore trouble shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. The resurrection as was, was known and understood in the Old Testament. Look at Job, the 14th chapter. Now it took the New Testament to amplify it to expand it, to help us to really understand the resurrection. But it was there. It was there. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. You shall call, and I will answer. You will have the desire of the work of your hands. And that's what God is doing. He's working with us individually, bringing us along, into the kingdom of God. With that Holy Spirit that we have, we are quickened. It means that we, if we die, we shall be resurrected. We shall come up. In 1 Thessalonians, I'm not going to read all of 1 Corinthians 15. I just want to read some parts. But I just love, I love these things so much. I like to go back to them. I like to read them. I like to, to expand on them. I like to think about them because this is our hope, brethren. We can live our physical lives and, and we can be blessed in, in many different ways. But if we don't have the hope of the king, kingdom, if we don't have the hope of eternal life, it's just physical, isn't it? All the, the aches and pains and all of the different things that come along even the joys and then the, the sorrows that come into our life, if we don't have any hope for the kingdom, if we don't have any hope for tomorrow, it just is not enough. Say, verse 14, if, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which slept in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which were alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I love this last part because he says, wherefore, comfort you. Encourage each other with these words. Encourage one another with, with the words that are written here. Because they are so important to our very, um, very spiritual happiness, our very um, spiritual well-being. 
that you encourage one another in these. I didn't give this to, to Brian because I didn't know if I'd even have enough time. But I do have a little bit of time to read some of 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. So I am going to take just a couple of minutes here in a few verses. Because I think it's, it's important to understand Christ's position in our resurrection and how important it was that he was raised. Because Paul says if Christ was not raised, verse 17, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. How important was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? So extremely important. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. I mean, it would be hopeless. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of them that slept. What a glorious thing. What a powerful message is in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Yes, the Old Testament had uh, an understanding of the resurrection. The New Testament expands on it. Gives us a powerful window into God's plan. He says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are in Christ at his coming. That's us. We'll see that day. Whether we pass now before he, he comes, we're still going to see that day. And we just read that in 1 Thessalonians. And we'll be resurrected if we're in the grave. Then comes the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority, for he must reign till he has put down all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Let's skip over here to now, just to the end of 1 Corinthians, just to get a, another full flavor. He says, He went through the different fleshes and the different things and the seeds and all of that. And he, he makes this analogy about, so is the resurrection, verse 42, of the dead. It's sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. When we're raised, we're going to be incorruptible. We're going to live forever. We're going to have a glorious body. No telling what we'll be able to do, where we'll be able to go, what we'll be able to, to accomplish. It is sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. Sown in weakness, it's raised in power. Sown in a natural body, raised a spiritual body. And he says there's a natural body, and that's what we all have right now, natural bodies. And then there is a spiritual body. And so it's written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a living spirit. However, that was first, which is spiritual, that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man of the earth is earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such as they are so that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such as they also that are heavenly. And we have borne the image of the earthy. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. One of these days, we're going to see the glorious Jesus Christ. And we're going to be able to stand before the Father. And we're going to be able to see all of the angels and all of their glory. 
And we're going to be able to hear the songs that are sung. And not only that, but we will be singing those songs also because there's a song of Moses that will be sung at that day. It'll be a powerful time for every one of us. And I don't know whether spirit beings could cry or not, <laughs> but if there's rejoicing and crying to be done, it's going to be in the kingdom, brethren. When we are there, it will be glorious and wonderful and powerful. Now this I say, brethren, and I think this is very important to understand. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. As physical human beings, we can't see God in His glory. We can't be with God in His glory. But as spirit beings, we can. He says, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. He says, I show you a mystery. Shall not all sleep, shall be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass that saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen, brethren. Amen. Amen. So, we see this beautiful thing. So at the end of my message here, there's one seventh point. Finish with singing and prayer. Psalm 71. Finish with singing and prayer. Psalm 71, 22, 23, and 24. I will also praise you with the psaltery even your truth, O oh my God, to you while I sing with the harp. O oh, you Holy One of Israel. Well, we don't have psalteries and harps, but we do have guitars and, and drums and different instruments that we praise God with. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you. And that's what we do here at Sabbath services, isn't it? We rejoice, we sing to God. Yes, we're singing about to one another, but we pray that God will be with us. And so when our songs go up, do they go up to the heavenly throne? Do they reach to the heavens? Do you believe that your songs are heavenly sent? And my soul, which you have redeemed, my tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame that seek my hurt. The psalm of the aged man is a beautiful psalm, as all the psalms are and have great meaning. So let us remember that God delivers our soul, and someday we will be delivered into the kingdom of God. I have one last song that is going to be played. Stand by me. Stand by me, stand by me, when the storms of life are raging, stand by me, stand by me, when the world is tossing me, 
like a ship upon the sea. Thou who rulest wind and water, stand by me. Stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. Stand by me. In the midst of tribulation, stand by me. When the hosts of hell assail and my strength begins to fail, thou who never lost a battle, stand by me. Stand by me. In the midst of faults and failures, stand by me, stand by me. Stand by me. Stand by me. 